Jeff, in the middle of the third quarter, you texted me and said, what the hell do we even talk about on a postgame pod? And have we figured that out yet? I mean, it was a great game, but no, I mean, uh, everything went good for BYU and everything went bad for Navy. And that's pretty much the game recap. I, like, there's I not much else to say. As much as the people want, I don't think there's any major insight that we can give. Like there was nothing that was like, oh, this is the single, like this little thing here is what made the big difference or whatever. It was whatever we wanted to do, it worked. <laughs> I mean, and whatever we wanted to do was a zone run. It didn't matter whether you ran it left or right off of Hodge or Barrington, but it worked every single time. I mean, every single time. But when you run, that was like, that was almost like, 2013 versus Texas type of running success. BYU finished the game with with 301 rushing yards and every single running back not, okay, so how about this? Every running back who had 10 or more carries ran for greater than 5 yards a carry. Jackson McChesney, he really brought that stat down uh, with only 56 yards on 11 carries. Unacceptable. Uh, I mean, in context of what we're looking at here, Lopini Katoa, 80 yards on 10 carries. Tyler Algier, 132 yards on 14 carries. So, yeah, come on, Jax. Like, what, what's going on there, man? BYU got whatever they wanted. So, credit to the offensive line, right? I mean, the offensive line did a fantastic job of doing literally whatever they needed and wanted to do. It was one of the most dominating performances I've ever seen from any offensive line. It, I'm assuming that they are going to be your offensive MVP of the game. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'm a little bit of a nerd anyways, and so maybe I am prone to look for the offensive line more than the average person. But absolutely, I loved what the, uh, what the offensive line brought to the table. They were just so good. If I had to single any one of them out, I don't know if I could. Uh, I would probably say the guards, Tristan Hodge and Clark Barrington were everywhere. And I was very surprised by Barrington because it's, you know, you hear the names of like Hodge, MP Christensen. Those are the guys with NFL talent. Chandon Herring is a freak athletically. His name is starting to pop up a little more. You know, Clark Barrington, he's just kind of been there. He was the fifth guy uh, of that starting five, but he played really, really well tonight. Yeah, he did. He played exceptionally well. Um, Here is a fun tweet that I just read. I guess it came through like an hour and a half ago. I don't follow T. John Karoma. You know, once a guy moves on from BYU, I really don't care anymore. Like, wish them, you know, all the luck or whatever in the NFL, and I'll cheer for him, but I'm not following him on Twitter. And, in fact, usually once a guy signs on signing day, that's typically when I stop following them. But T. John, about an hour and a half ago, said that BYU O-line is big and strong, Here's the kicker, Garrett. Have to give credit to the strength staff, Coach New, Coach Justin, and Coach AJ for getting those guys ready. Hmm, I mean, that kind of feels a little – That feels good, right? Like, after all of the scrutiny they've been under because of a, an ACL and a hip injury, like, that feels good. Eight yards a carry, yeah, go. Go offensive line. You did well. I was surprised, and I think one thing that you can really watch out if you're looking at – you know, similar to what after they pulled the starters in the third quarter, uh, Kirk Herbstreit kind of mentioned was like, you know, when in games like this, you can really tell what the culture of the team is like based on 
how like you know the starters act on the sideline are they playing sitting down or are they up focused whatever which it, they were up and focused and paying attention that was good but another thing you can really watch at in terms of how bought in teams are is what do the skill players like in the run game what do they look like and it was not even just the offensive line like mason wake had a great game blocking isaac rex Eddie hurdle the dude and he hurdled a dude. It was the lowest hurdle of all time. There was not a lot of clearance, but he made it. Uh, yeah. But even I noticed, too, that they, the receivers were getting after it blocking, and that's why you know Tyler Alger was able to have those two long runs. And Lopini Gatoa's because of that downfield blocking was great, which shows they were all bought in. So my offensive MVP is going was going to be Harvey Unga. I didn't also obviously the offensive line, but I didn't want to copy you. So, But Unga, it didn't matter who the backs were, and it's not obviously they had lanes. But it wasn't just that they had lanes. It was, you know, you know, Katoa's not that big, right? I mean, he's maybe like these, what, listed at 205. Like, he's big enough, but he's not definitely not a power back who you think is, oh, this guy's going to grind between the tackles. But he kept his legs churning hard. Oh, yeah. Right? He was bringing contact to people. And, you know, so was Algier. And they really, I mean, I kind of felt like almost like everyone, they were running the way Harvey ran. And he's it seemed like they're being coached to just run hard and wear people down. Doesn't matter what size you are, you're going to go hit people. And they were aggressive and violent in the way that they were running. And I love to see that. Yeah, I agree. I thought that they looked great. Um, really impressive performance from Unga and his group. First game as the running backs coach. Remember that hire? I mean, if we go back, I guess it's been almost six months now. Um, I think a lot of people were, were happy. I don't want to say most people were upset, but there were people who were upset that Harvey Unga was made the running backs coach because it was the easy hire, right? I mean, Polynesia guy, alumni, was already on the staff, hadn't had any experience, and people kind of uh, – people were upset by that. People were afraid that that was going to lead to, you know, Ty Detmer 2.0 where you bring on a guy without any experience – uh, I mean, we talked about it then that running back coach is a little bit different in terms of what experience is required. Uh, but Harvey looked great. You know, whether he, you wouldn't know whether Harvey was a first guy on his uh, first game, in, uh, a guy in his first game, or if he was a running backs coach for the last, you know, 10 years. Like the guy had his group ready, didn't matter who it was. Even Chase Wester, you know, Chase Wester gets into the game, gets a carry. He's physical, he hits the right gap, he runs hard. It was an impressive performance from every BYU running back. Now, we'd be remiss, right, if we didn't at least acknowledge that Navy was awful. Uh, and, you know, you heard ESPN talk about it during the broadcast, and it almost feels like an excuse the way that it got brought up by Coach Neil Matalolo, but they hadn't had any contact. You know, that was a big deal. That's a big storyline. Um, and BYU exploited that. So credit to BYU, right? Like, we can talk – all about Navy not being ready to play. But in the past, BYU hasn't been ready to play. But that was not the case in this game. BYU came ready to play. They exploited absolutely everything. And I'm with you on Harvey Younger. That's an excellent call. Uh, moving over to the other side of the ball, which was just as dominant for BYU, what do you think? Who stood out to you the most on the defensive side of the ball? I think there were a couple plays. The two guys that stood out most to me were Pepe Tanuvasa. He led the team in tackles. And obviously going against his former team, you know, he probably had a little chip on his shoulder, maybe something to prove. Um, but Isaiah Kafusi was number two in tackles, but he had two sacks, um, you know, two tackles for loss as well. So he, you know, Kafusi was just 
he was all over the place and he made some great plays where he was reacting really well. And it's, he's kind of struggled with consistency, consistency in his career where it seemed like, you know, some plays he just kind of get lost or kind of get washed out. But it was just every time when he was in, he was doing all the right things. It was just very active in every single play, even if he wasn't doing it. But across the board, you know, you had exactly what you want to see with an option team. You don't have one guy, you know, with like 25 tackles in the game, kind of dominating everything. You, we did have that, you know, Pepe did leave, lead the with eight, but everywhere else is just you look down the the box score and it's like three tackles, three tackles, three tackles, three tackles. It's just everyone doing their job, snuffing every play out. And I mean, the defense as a whole played incredible, obviously, because that's how you win games, fifty-five to three. Yeah, against a good team. I mean, let's not discredit what what Navy was supposed to be. Maybe that's the better way to put this. Uh, Navy was supposed to be really, really good, and they were not. BYU made them look really, really bad. It'll be interesting to see how they rebound and what they do. But BYU, man, they they exposed every facet of the – every weakness in Navy's game. My defensive MVP, uh, it's Kyrus Tonga. I mean, we talked about it for weeks leading up to this game that stop the dive, stop the dive, stop the dive. Very first play of the game, it's a dive. Jamel Carruthers right up the gut, and he has absolutely stood up by Kairos Tonga. And that happened three or four times throughout the game. I mean, Tonga did a great job, and really all of the defensive tackles highlighted by Tonga did a great job of shedding chop blocks you know, at, at their knees and stuffing that gap and stopping the dive. And that is really what kept Navy's offense out of sorts throughout the entire game. Navy finished with just 119 rushing yards in one of the worst performances I've ever seen them ever against really anybody running the ball. I mean, they averaged 360 yards a game last year. Oof. Right. I mean, I'm looking at the box score right now. We ran 71 plays to their 48. That's unheard of to almost double up in plays run. Uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, really there were only a few things like mistakes overall that I remember from the BYU said, obviously defensively, there wasn't, I think a single mistake um, offensively. I remember, well, there were a couple plays. So, was, well, so Zach finished 13 of 18, but of those 13 or of those five incompletions, the first play of the game went through Romney's arms. Romney had another drop, drop over the middle where it, yeah, it wasn't the best throw and there was a slight miscommunication. But if you're going to be wide receiver one, you got to make that grab. There was the Powell interception where he tripped. So, really, Wilson should have finished 16 for 18, which Obviously, like, but he's still the only two plays that I remember were a legitimate mistake was the jet sweep to Neil Powell in the inside the 10 yard line. Um, but we ended up settling for a field goal that was an option, and Wilson should have pulled it in himself and walked into the end zone up the middle. But he gave it to Powell, who got stuffed for a loss. And then there was another play where the um, Navy linebacker showed late. MP missed it, and he it was the first drive when Baylor was in. MP missed the call, and there was a blitz that came right through, and Algier just got grabbed right as soon as he touched the ball. Those are the only I mean, two plays that, like, and those are not even bad plays. Like, those happen. Right? That like happened. And that second one, when once Baylor came in, wasn't it like 45 to nothing at that point? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think like, that I, the I'm starting. Reaching. I'm reaching oh, yeah. here. I'm like really reaching. I, I, I mean, and I say this a little bit in jest, but I'm pretty sure the starting offensive line, like they looked at each other on that drive and they were like, wait a minute. I'm looking at like Talmadge Gunther and I'm looking at 
Baylor Romney. I'm looking at Jackson McChesney. And they thought to themselves, why the hell are we the only starters that are playing? And so I think they just mentally decided that they were going to take a break as well. So I don't blame MB. I, th- I feel like it was a little bit of a silent protest of like a remember the Titans style. Hey, we just want you to know that we disapprove of this decision on this play. So, you know, credit to him for, for making a stand. We do have a rant tonight, Garrett. BYU won 55-3. to And I think this is your rant because you text me about it a couple of different times throughout the game. Uh, yes. BYU won 55-3. to They were uh, – I mean, what questions? I wrote in a post-game recap. There were, you know, all of these questions coming into the game. Could BYU stop the run? Could BYU create more havoc in the backfield? Could BYU, uh, you know, capitalize on scoring opportunities? Could BYU do, you know, a bunch of different things? And I think BYU answered every single one of those questions. They, they looked really, really good in every facet of the game. And yet, there were still people complaining. How do you feel about that? It honestly drives me nuts. Like, I saw people complaining about Grimes calling the jet sweep, and obviously that, that, that play just doesn't work. Like, it, it's a sweep. It's an outside run play like it can't it doesn't not work whatever you know complaining about that one really that was an option and that was an inside zone spread option and Zach should have pulled the ball like that's not Grimes fault and that was wide open for the quarterback and the quarterback made the wrong choice it happens that's life but you know it did bother me I saw someone say like oh it was like when Zach started off I think he started off like one for five because with three drops in there and so like wasn't getting much help and so it was like oh he hasn't had a single accurate ball so far I'm like are you watching the same game that we are watching like if you find something to complain about and you feel the need to complain after destroying Navy 55 to 3 a team that was the favorite you need therapy like (laughs) I'm sorry like, I know that the pandemic has been hard. Mental illness is at an all-time high. It is, is not a joke, but you honestly need to reevaluate your life because that you should not carry that much negativity around that that's the, what you feel that you need to say is something negative. I, I mean, I'm with you because, yeah, uh, if you can't find joy in a 55-3 to route against a team who was supposed to be better than you, I, I don't know... I don't know what would bring you joy. I almost think like one, if you don't like a coach for whatever reason, like if you don't like a coach or whatever, or a certain player and it's like, you just harp on them every time. It's like, that becomes your brand to where that it's like, you can't admit that you're wrong. Like it, if you yes. stop doing it, especially if it becomes like your brand, cause then people will start calling you out on it. Like, Oh, yeah. oh Hey, like you're going to give this person props cause they did have a good game today, whatever. And so it's like, you end up, you kind of paint yourself into a corner. You do. And I think there's also kind of this, and I, I, I see it in a lot of different aspects of my life. I work with a guy that it doesn't matter what it is, like at work, whatever good idea, bad idea, whatever that comes up, he's going to jump in and say, well, I think it should be blah, 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 blah. Like you could come and you could say, hey, guys, I found a cure for breast cancer. And he would be like, well, what about the rest of the cancers? And I feel like there are some people who are kind of dispositioned that way that no matter, like it makes them feel, it's almost like faux intellectualism, right? That like, well, look at me and how well I know the game. Even though things are going really well, look at this. I'm going to say, 
ah, you knew that, you know, well, that play, you know, you mentioned the jet sweep. Oh, that was going to catch up to Grimes. Well, it's 45 to nothing. So clearly it hasn't. Yeah, clearly clearly it hasn't. So I'm with you. I get it. I I think that there's there's some of that, and it's frustrating. It's just – it's really hard to find much to complain about. I think even the coaches are going to look at the film. Like, coaches can complain about anything, right? That's their job. I think they're going to look at the film, and they're going to say, okay, guys, let's do exactly the same thing. We did really, really well. Zach, let's talk about this play. Uh, Baylor, go hit the – or, sorry, did Gunner go hit the jugs machine for a little bit? That, that's it. Everyone else pretty did, well, pretty did pretty well. Caleb Christensen maybe will work on when you run it out and when you don't. I mean, there's just not very many things that went wrong. This game went so great for BYU in just about every aspect. It really did. Um, so we really dig, you know, it's good. And it is a great game when you have to dig down the depth chart. Like even I feel like you and I, we follow the team pretty much more than anybody else. And we, I had to look up some numbers because we were getting down to deep, deep walk-ons getting playing time. And, you know, guys that maybe like had heard their name, but it was like, I had no idea what number they actually wore because guys that like you see, if you ever see them in practice, they're wearing a different number than what they actually end up on the game. Cause like, oh crap, you wear the same numbers. This guy, we can't have you on the field at the same time for special teams. <laughs> so, uh, Hey, um, Talmadge Gunther, you're a wide receiver, but you're going to be wearing number 36. Right. Anytime you see a wide receiver wearing number 36, like that was an accident that they got into the game at all. Like there was no purpose behind that wide receiver getting into the game. Speaking right. of that, um, did you find it interesting? I did. That in this game, and now granted, like BYU really didn't need to throw the ball. They only threw the ball like what twenty, um, twenty-two times total. So like they didn't need to throw the ball. So maybe this explains it. But I think I saw Talmadge Gunther in the game before Keanu Hill. Keanu Hill had a big catch, twenty-two yard catch. On a beautiful, like, little, not quite a, I, I don't know what it was. It looked like a little seam route. I, I can't remember. But, I mean, he hit him right in stride. It was a beautiful throw. Great catch, great route. He was wide open. And that was great. But really, like, Keanu Hill didn't make the impact that I thought he would. BYU really rolled with Gunnar Romney, Neil Powell, and Dax Milne for almost every play, which I thought was interesting. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, You know, we have been begging and pleading with this coaching staff to nix the hockey subs, which I think for the most part they did in this game. Um, but interesting that Keanu Hill didn't make more of an impact or at least wasn't he, on the field more frequently. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I think he only had his, he caught his one target, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah. So he did catch his one target for 22 yards. I wish that Chris Jackson would have gotten more than the two touches that he did get, uh-huh. but I mean, that something I'd like to see more, but otherwise, I mean, obviously there's nothing really, there's nothing to complain about in this game. The he, one thing. Chris Jackson's got a little Devon Blackman in him. Like he, I mean, obviously they're fast and maybe this is, this is going to sound weird because they're be the, more than just fast. <laughs> well, uh, they're the, they're the fastest guys that BYU's had forever. Right. But they kind of look funny when they run. I don't know. Yeah. Like they, they look like their feet are heavy, but they're flying. So, like, good for them, whatever. Clearly, I don't know how to run. 
but that's like Chris Jackson's a little bit of the same way to me. Like when he gets the ball, it kind of reminds me maybe of Squally Canada, who I think was a little bit, you know, had a heavy foot, but it just, it looks a little different. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me. Tell me I'm an idiot if I'm an idiot, but it's weird. I think it's weird. I did. I did love seeing George Udo on the field. He is one of my favorite players on the team and he is so young and raw and such a prospect. Obviously he's a redshirt freshman, but I love seeing me some George Udo and I hope he gets more playing time. Um, so I think, I, I don't know if there's anything much more to say about the game, but I do have one thing that I thought about. And actually I didn't, I've been thinking about this since in like the first quarter, my wife pointed it out to me. She was like, I know it's a habit because Jeff Grimes keeps lifting the play call sheet up to cover his mouth, but she's like, he doesn't need to do that because he has a mask on. And so I wonder if that will be something that like maybe some coaches, even after all of this is over, keep wearing the mask just because it's easier than dealing with, like they can just talk freely without being able to have their lips read. I hope so. I like the masks. Like the look of a mask, I think looks good. I want it to keep bothering me. Yeah. It's that you can't track me in a store or, you know, big brother can't spy on me if I'm wearing a mask. Can we talk about the iron? I was talking about this with my wife. Um, I watched a Facebook video. And we're I done talking so... about the game, obviously, because we are way off the like. Well, we're getting, <laughs> we're it's getting... late. It was a real. I mean, it's a work night, <laughs> but right. I, I I want to just. I I watched a Facebook video of a person that I went to high school with, who I'm confident will never ever ever hear this podcast. But she she lives in Florida, and she went to a park or was at a park. I don't know, whatever. So she goes on Facebook Live, right? And she starts talking about masks and she's complaining about masks and she's complaining about everything that this mask represents, all of the liberties, you know, all the, all the things, whatever. I don't know. It doesn't make any difference to me. And then a comment comes from another dude I went to high school with. And he says, yeah, we've never seen tyranny like this. I was, well, I mean, we had slaves, like let's not forget history here. We've seen tyranny. That's been pretty bad, but okay. Whatever. The Japanese I don't in care. tournament camps, way worse than masks. <laughs> right. So, but again, I don't care. I'm not getting into the politics about saying what's right or wrong. But this is the argument that they were presenting. And then on her live feed, she says, yes, I agree. It is tyrannical. I can't believe that the Democrats are doing this. And then I kind of stopped and I thought, well, wait a minute. I know where you live in Florida and your, your city has a Republican mayor. Your county has a Republican county commissioner. Florida has been very outspoken with DeSantis as a Republican governor and the way that they've handled things, rolling all the way up to a Republican senator and a Republican president. The masks that they were complaining about were levied by like whatever mandate was there. There is a long genealogical line of Republicans from the birth of the mask to this woman in this park. But it turned into this anti-Joe Biden thing. And I just thought that was really interesting. Not because I care about Joe Biden or I care about Donald Trump. I don't. But I did think that it was, I just find it ironic that we're complaining about these masks as if it is this like liberal nonsense. But the people who were making these decisions were Republicans. I thought it was interesting. I don't know what to make of that, but I've seen that pop up in a lot of different places and it's it's just interesting i think we need to just like all go back to 
understanding what the parties that you choose to believe in actually are doing and not just making stuff up. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I thought it was, I thought it was strange. It is strange. I mean, it's an excuse to wear more BYU stuff. I don't own a BYU mask yet, but it's an excuse to buy more crap, which yeah. is, you know, it's really all I need is an yeah, excuse to buy more things. This is why we're still pre-rich. I mean, I don't make mm. enough to be rich, but I could be a heck of a lot more richer if I didn't just buy stuff. Yes, maybe just, yeah. Still pre-rich, but we are still pre-rich. The offense was looking very rich tonight, and so is the defense. And I think we'll be back on it on Wednesday night uh-huh. for our normal weekly show. So give us your Hellion of the Week nomination. Give us some mailback questions. If you're listening to this, just buy a poster. Uh-huh. Please buy, buy a poster. A shirt. And get prepared for, I mean, now that we've kind of covered the post game, and we really have a bye week this next week, right? We don't play Army until the 19th. We're oh, going to talk about some weird deep. stuff. Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait. So let's, let's do it. We're, we're going to get weird on Wednesday night. Well, and I feel like we need to clear the air. Uh, you've taken, I'm not going to say heat. But people have been critical that you were a little bit grumpy in our last podcast. You hadn't slept. Like people need to lay off, you know, like you're moving, you have a newborn child, you're, I don't think people understand that we record this at 10 o'clock mountain time. That's midnight for you when we start recording. I wholly understand why you would be upset that I start to talk about Pip the Magic Dragon at 1.30 in the morning. I still haven't watched that yet. I will do it before I go to bed tonight. You really need to because I really think you'll apologize. But I get it. So everybody who has given Garrett a hard time over the last couple of days, lay off. This guy, he slaves for this show. I do nothing but show up. Garrett does everything else. So everybody, let's just take a big giant deep breath. Garrett deserves to be grumpy when I start talking about dragons. But also I kind of deserve it, so it's fine. (laughs) Well, okay. We can go with that. All in all, great win by the Cougars. Um, Kind of of a disheartening caveat to this win is there is maybe one team left on the schedule who is going to be equal or better than Navy. Everybody else I mean, will lose to Navy. Army looked better than Navy, even though I know it was against MTSU, but the they still looked much better just by the virtue of apparently they have been able to have live reps in practice. Yeah, has it been a has it been they can't maybe can't? We talked about this before the show. Could Navy not have live reps, or did Ken Neomatalolo choose not to have live reps? Also, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I get it. It's COVID, whatever. But Kalani Sataki has been crucified because of his team's inability to start fast and because of his inability, supposedly, to get his team up and ready to play. And it has been something that is mentioned of, well, if he had a more disciplined whatever, like Bronco did, or like Ken Neomatalolo, then BYU would be better. I get it. It's COVID, whatever. Kalani's team was ready to play, and Neil Montalolo's team, I 
their pads might have been on backwards. Like they looked like they weren't even a football team. Some of that is contact or contact and not practicing on the physical side of things, but mentally, like some of those holes in the first quarter, oh, they weren't even close. Like I wanted to give the offensive line credit for opening up. I think it was on Lopini's touchdown run, the first one that he had, the the 40-yard touchdown, 39-yard touchdown run, whatever it was. Uh, I wanted to give the offensive line all this credit for opening up this massive, massive hole. Uh, No, there was just literally nobody there. The entire outside of the hash was gone. There was a corner who stuck in man coverage with a receiver who ran a quick dig route. And the safeties and the linebackers all went left, every single one of them. There was nobody within 10 yards of Lopini Katoa when he got the ball. It was nuts. So, yeah, we we can save – where Go ahead. So obviously in the option offense, without those live reps, the reason their quarterback looks so bad was just because they didn't, they couldn't get the timing ready. Like you need live reps. Like you can't, it's not a spread where you can get seven on seven reps are meaningful, right? Like you need live reps as an option quarterback, but you know, they're defensively, they just seemed completely out of it. They didn't care. Like they weren't wrapping up. There were a couple of times guys made plays, but it was just bad across the board. Yeah, I got a text from a family member (laughs) during the game that said, if this is how prepared the Navy is, then we need to re-elect Ronald Reagan. (laughs) I don't really understand what it means, but there's some some truth there. A boomer sent that to you, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) That's a a boomer text. Yeah, absolutely it was. Uh, But man, just everything came up BYU in this. I'm really looking forward to our show. As we dig into the film and we dig into some of the advanced stats and things like that, I think we'll have plenty to talk about. Um, all in all, not a lot to complain about. What did you eat, by the way? You don't have a grill, so did you? What did you do? Did you just like DoorDash something to your house? Um, well, so I ate well before the game because the game started at eight o'clock. So it was at uh, so it's six o'clock. It was, uh, it was about 4.30. I took my daughter to the nature preserve by my house to go see the horses and go for a walk. And after that, we she wanted a burger and fries. And so we went to the Culver's around the corner from our house because they do half off on Monday nights. Hmm. So, Well, I mean, I guess if you don't have a grill because you packed it away, it's really the best that you can do. Yeah. I mean, it's there are a couple other places I could have done something, but it was – it, I've eaten a lot of terrible, terribly unhealthy food, mm-hmm. you know, for, I've, I think I've eaten at least once at pretty much every single restaurant within a five mile radius of my house in the last six weeks since the baby came. So good for you, um, you know, it's kind of didn't sadly didn't do anything big or over the top for that, but we did, um, you know, Cosmo did come to our house. He did bring us, maple donuts for breakfast this morning that's good when Cosmo, the kids, when the kids Cosmo got hung up at the BYU store and although I asked and paid for Cosmo to show up with two-day shipping uh, Cosmo took five so me and Cosmo got jerk. to talk about it was a little what a jerk well I, I want to know if I get a rebate if I pay for two-day shipping and it takes five shouldn't they rebate that yeah, I mean, I feel bad. So I, my order from the BYU store, I made a purchase and um, my box came 
And then there was a second box from the BYU store. And I was like, oh, oh. this is weird. I looked at the labels. They were identical. Same tracking number. Same everything for oh, USPS. No. But addressed to me, I opened it up. And sorry, Val Wallen of Aberdeen, Idaho, if you're listening <laughs> to this, I have $250 of your stuff sitting at my house. And apparently the BYU store is going to send me a new shipping label to slap on the box and so I can get picked up to be sent Whoa. back. Wait a minute. Okay, okay. Let's, let's back up. A, a company in Utah accidentally sends you in South Carolina the wrong box. You, out of the goodness of your heart, say, hey, company, this happened. And their response is, ah, crap. Well, we'll send you a label to go ahead and take care of this for us. Yeah, I'm assuming that I don't know if I just call like UPS and have them come pick it up, or like if they come, will come pick it up at my house, and that's fine. I'm hoping they can do that because if I don't want to have to go drop it off, like I mean, I was supposed to send you coasters three months ago, and we're still here, and you haven't gotten them yet. <laughs> well, so, what about this poor man in Idaho? Like, have they I told know, him? Like, I'm assuming you have his phone number and everything now. Like you know what, they have given you all of his information. Yes, because I have his address, I have his phone number, I have his email. I'm mostly I'm shocked that the USPS actually delivered it all the way out here because I ordered one thing from there. So my package, the weight was like nine ounces. It was a stuffed Cosmo doll. His was like 18 shirts. It was $250 worth of stuff, and it was like an eight-pound uh. box. So why is the postal service? not picking up that one this tracking number is identical and has been scanned multiple times and this box like the weight on the postage on this thing that just got scanned Never, does like, not match a... the box like <laughs> that should trigger some flags but somehow they printed think. the label twice slapped it on two boxes and i'm more shocked and this was even i had to call the bookstore multiple times because school started this week the first time i I think, Garrett, I think we lost you. Your sound, I don't know. It's late, everybody. So if we did lose you. My microphone died. Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot to charge it. So now we're at the crappy audio. But It's so, a low-budget podcast, guys. Yeah, so we, my, I was sat on hold for 45 minutes the first time I tried calling. And I moved up from like number 12 to number 9 because it was the first day of school and people were trying to figure out where all their books are or whatever. And so finally I was able, I tried calling a couple other times. Then one time I called them, it was like, you're number one in line. And I was like, okay, I'll wait. And then still haven't gotten a label yet. So sorry, Val. Brother that Wallen. sucked. I used I hope, to, I hope you weren't waiting for that. For I used to, I used to run a customer service department and we watched this old video from like the eighties about this guy who ran a small little diner. And in this diner, uh, you know, the cheeseburger came with pickles and you were instructed to put two pickles on the burger. And a customer once came to, you know, the poor high school kid or whoever it was that was working at this diner and said, hey, can I get extra pickles? They wanted like an additional two pickles. And the employee of this little diner said, well, that's going to cost you an extra dollar. And then the owner overheard this and he screamed and yelled and was like, no, give them the pickles. And that's what his whole customer service foundation was built on is give them the pickle, meaning just, you know, go above and beyond. There's little things you don't have to make a big deal about. Just say, yeah, you know what? We'll take care of this for you. And for me, 
this situation that you found yourself in. I, I, I'm not advocating that the BYU store should have said, ah, Mr. McClintock, those are yours now. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But they could have said, ah, crap, okay, can you send those back to us? And then they go and they re-pull Val's order, and they, while you're doing whatever you're doing to send the package back, they go right. and re-pull those items and send him another box because they have screwed it up, or the USPS has screwed it up. It has been screwed up. And take care of it and rush it for free because it was screwed up. That feels like what giving them the pickle would be. But what they did to you was charge you a dollar for those two extra pickles on your burger by saying, here is a shipping label that we might send you. And you could go ahead and send it to Val yourself. Thank you for partaking in our distribution services. Yeah, it's, I mean... Ben Criddle will be happy because most of the order were Royal Army shirts, but mm-hmm. Val, I hope you get your stuff next week. Hopefully it'll be there by the, by the army game. I don't, I haven't gotten the label yet. So the label may, they may have done that already and the label will be to send it back to the bookstore. I don't know. They just said, we're going to send you a label. I kind of have a hunch that the label might just be from Val. Val. Yeah. That they, that they sent it to Val. So Val yeah. is getting his, his uh, BYU store box and opening it up and sees a label to paper. him. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. afraid of. Um, I do have, I'm looking at informed delivery. I do have something that is coming from Utah tomorrow. So I think. Have, have you got the shirt we sent you by the way? Yes. I wore that today. Ah. So very, yes, I, I did get that shirt. I need to send you your coasters well, and our 15-minute recap pod is now rolling up on 45 minutes because that's how we do things here. That's right. We haven't talked about football talked... for 30 of those 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we stuck right to our agenda initially. We Actually, we did go through the entire agenda, and we kept talking instead of ending things, which is par for the course. But we'll be back on Thursday for probably a completely non-football-related episode, but it'll still be fun. I agree. I agree. Good win, Cougs. Good, Good podcast, win. Garrett. Get some sleep, man. Then let's give this week hell the way the Cougs gave Navy hell. There you go. Give them hell. <laughs> <laughs>